Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 592 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on this week's show, we'll be having a chat with Hannah Morocco about her work in the world of iron. She is producing some brilliant stuff with her forge, and you can pick that up at Craft Fairs and her website. So check out all that we have going on there. Also, we'll be joined by Marguerite Elcock. She's talking about hypnotherapy and how she uses that to help people with anxiety issues. Sam Callahan joins us for a chat about his music. We're looking forward to hearing from him and his brand new single and also on the music front we'll be joined by Lars and Keith and a piece of work they have playing tribute to William Wallace. Also on top of that Neil Redding joins us from the Arena Theatre to let us know how they're coming up with some hybrid work which will allow you to watch not only on stage but also online from the comfort of your own home. Some brilliant equipment going in to make that sort of thing possible through the theatre in the heart of Wolverhampton. And on top of that, Ewan Colfer. I had a chat with him all about his latest novel in the Foul Twins series, a spin-off from Artemis Fowler, who of course you already know has got eight stories out there. Artemis is in space at the moment, it turns out. So we'll be hearing all about that on this week's episode of the show. <laughs> With some brand new music out there, Sam Callahan is once again going to wow his fans with his performances and he joins me now for a bit of a chat. Hello, sir. What's going on? How are you doing? I'm all right. And are uh, you keeping out of trouble? Uh, yeah, well, just about. <laughs> <laughs> now, last time we spoke uh, was the other side of the start of lockdown. It's obviously been uh, a very different summer to the one you'd had planned as there would have been many a festival you'd have been performing at. That hasn't stopped you producing new music, though, and uh, we've got a great new song on the way. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not been, uh, like you say, the summer I had planned. I, I had, uh, I had, I think, nine Pride festivals, uh, a few different uh, summer festivals and uh, all sorts of different events that have just been cancelled. Um, so my my career and income and everything else has been cut in, cut, cut in half, well, at the very least. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, it's, you know what, it's, it's one of those things, you know, it's, uh, in a, with my very British uh, mentality is like, right, well, we just keep calm and carry on. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's all you can do. And uh, obviously yeah. you've been, uh, uh, something that you've, you've, you've always done anyway is look after yourself. And as a PT, you've been working uh, online with people over the summer as well. And that, and that must be great, helping people turn things around in their world. Yeah, I think, do you know what, um, obviously for me, uh, as lots of people know, uh, fitness in general has, has been a part of my journey. It's been something that um, I have used to keep my, my mental state, my mental health healthy, uh, as well as my physical health. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it. Um, but really randomly last year, uh, I kind of had this thought that, you know, although I've done well to sort of build a career out of music as an independent artist since the X Factor, but you know, I've been doing it for what, like seven years now, mm -hmm. uh, just music solidly. Um, I've not actually got a qualification. So I was like, well, maybe I should get one. So um, I'm into fitness. I like doing my, my fitness. So I actually did um, a, you know, obviously a, a, a qualification. I did uh, my personal training qualification. Passed that in November and all of a sudden, you know, a couple of months later, uh, COVID hit and I was like oh like there's not going to be any gigs there's not going to be any shows performances uh, basically all the things I earn my money from <laughs> um, 
what am I going to do? So, um, yeah, I got in touch and, and spoke to a VIP HQ, it's a gym in, in, uh, in Essex, but uh, it's a great gym. We've got like an outdoor facility. So even when COVID hit, uh, we were one of the only gyms that were still working, mm-hmm. uh, still having people down. Um, but we had to socially distance and train them outside as well, which is the difference. But it's, it's still been great because um, I think a lot of people have been down about the whole situation uh, and being able to try and keep people's spirits up and keep people healthy has been good. Well, yeah, and uh, so we've, we've seen that uh, yeah, keeping people's spirits up through the music they've been releasing over the summer as well. That's been great to see. And I mean, yeah. this time last year, we were preparing for you to come and perform at the bonfire in Wolverhampton. Now, obviously, sadly, that's not taking place this year either. Uh, all events pretty much on hold as things stand still. But I mean, we had a great time with that. It was good to have you in the city, and you're a regular visitor to our parts. And uh, yeah, I think this means that I mean, your fan base in Wolverhampton and beyond is going to absolutely adore your latest work. So tell us what you've been preparing for the world. Bless you. Thank you. Do you know what? I, I, I love travelling, even just around the UK. Um, I, I think it's so much fun. and. Uh, being able to do that with music for you know the last like, I say seven years is it's just been it's a blessing. Every time I go somewhere, I'm like oh a little adventure. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's nice to come up to Wolverhampton and uh, do some bits and bobs up there as well. Um, as you say, I had my single, uh, my, my previous single, uh, which was something to prove, which uh, like you said was a very uplifting track. Um, but I think that was for me the last of a lot of songs that I've written over the years that I kind of had a back catalogue. Um, of um, whereas this song is is the first of my new sound um, so this is this actually is quite an important song to me um, for that for that reason uh, it's called demons and I wrote the track about uh, a real life raw honest situation that was very difficult and I think uh, everybody goes through and it's that thing when you as you're growing older you realize that uh, the people that maybe you were friends with, I don't know, at school or when you were younger, aren't necessarily going to be the same people you're friends with as you get older. Mm-hmm. You're forced together as friends in school and, and in friend groups and stuff. You're, um, you know, you kind of almost forced to get on. <laughs> slightly. Um, when you when you come out of school, you're not. Uh, but not only that, you all do different things. You all uh, experience different things, have different life paths. And what happens is those paths and those things you experience uh, develop you into the human being you are. And um, unfortunately, because you develop different ones and you experience different ones, you become different people. And uh, what I have noticed is, is unfortunately, not everybody who you, you love and care about turns into the sort of human being that you would like them to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, I, uh, yeah, I've had a, a few uh, friends and friend, friendship groups and, and stuff over the years that have kind of gone a bit sour. There's been some jealousy, especially with the, you know, the X factor and everything that mm-hmm. I've done. Um, I think when you, you know, when I, when I do something, I'm not, I don't do anything half-heartedly. I throw everything at it. And, um, what that m- tends to mean is that I try and I'm like a dog with a bone. If I'm not successful the first time, I just keep going until I am. <laughs> and, um, so when you are successful, people don't, tend to like it which is sad but it's the reality and um yeah so I've, I've i've experienced this a lot and and i've decided to write about those people and their demons um and uh yeah the, the experiences that i've had 
So this is something, once again, you're pouring your heart out in a song. And I mean, that's the other thing about your music. I mean, it's believable, which is the good bit as well, isn't it? I mean, people know that it's Sam talking when you sing a song. Yeah. It's, not, it's not just a, oh, I want to make a commercial hit. It's I'm doing what I want to do. And the fact it's a commercial hit is just a byproduct of it. Yeah, and I, I think as well, like, for, for a long time, I've used my music to be uplifting um, and stuff, which is, is a good thing. But I also think something that's very important in my music is is to write real. Um, there's a lot of, like, you know, this whole fake news thing. There's a lot of fake stuff. There's a lot like social media. Everyone's always pretending to have the perfect life on Instagram or whatever else. Um, and don't get me wrong, my life is good. Um, I've made it good. <laughs> like, I work hard to make it good. But it's not perfect. And I'm not perfect. And there are, I go through, you know, rubbish things <laughs> rubbish things all the time um and i think it's important to write about that tell people about that tell people about how that makes me feel mm -hmm. because otherwise everybody when you're a singer or you you know you've been on telly or whatever sometimes people think you're immune sometimes a lot of people think you're a superstar and nothing nothing touches you well that, that ain't how it is like um and i think uh, so for me writing about this real stuff this honest stuff and sometimes maybe a slightly more negative stuff the real stuff uh it's given me a bit more grip and an edge to what i create mm. um and whatever way you put it i like that <laughs> <laughs> well we're going to take a listen to the song meanwhile where do people go to download buy etc 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 everywhere uh, <laughs> so the uh, so demons is available on all the usual platforms so you've got you know, spotify itunes apple music amazon music google play and all the, all the rest. Um, the music video is now out on YouTube, uh, so go check that out, put in Sam Callahan Demons. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram at It's Sam Callahan, Twitter at Callahan Music underscore, and Facebook Sam Callahan. All of those have that little blue tick as well, so you know it's definitely me. Absolutely, 100% the real thing. You couldn't go wrong with that. Sam Callahan, always good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. I hope to see you in real life again soon at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, catch up and see you performing a gig, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Cheers, Jason. My dear, acting like you need it here. I know what you really say when I'm gone. It's like you think you're famous some way. Snowflakes affected your brain. Am I the only one with my head screwed on? You ran away from your problems, but hell, even you can't run from yourself. You stand around blaming everyone else. We broke down your demons as friends, and you chose demons in the end. My push came to shove you destroy yourself and tell me why after all that i've done for you can you self destruct like that you're out of your mind and the blame lies all over you and there's no 
With the hiatus in the world of theatre over the summer, many, many people are missing their arts. Many people are missing going into work as well. One of those must be Neil Redding, who, of course, looks after the arena in Wolverhampton. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good, and I hope everything's sort of settling down a little bit for you at the moment. It's Yeah, it's feeling like that. I've had a couple of weeks where it feels like I'm running a venue rather than reacting to a crisis, so that, that feels really nice. Well, it's a definitely good move. I, I know you kept yourself busy with all the fantastic work that 1448 did over the summer, even though we missed out on our usual two days of absolute madcap fun in the arena itself. But uh, this hasn't stopped you preparing for what is going to be an interesting new way of working. Yeah, so we were really fortunate, um, along with a lot of venues and organisations in the Black Country, we had some money from the Cultural Recovery Fund. And that means we're now in a position to press ahead with installing broadcast quality streaming equipment into the arena. Um, this isn't a short-term thing. This isn't a you know a, a quick fix. This is something that we're putting in that we see being integral to what the arena does for the future. So, um, multi-camera, high high definition, 4K, full sound, um, at high definition as well. Really, really um, you know top-level equipment that's going in over the next couple of months, um, which will allow us in the short term to start offering work again online. Um, and then hopefully in the in the medium term when we are able to get audiences back in, we think it's going to be a long time before we're able to really fill the arena um, from an audience point of view. So we don't want people to miss out. So we'll be able to offer a blend. Um, but also we're really aware that you know large uh, sections of our audience really want to get back into the theatre, but there are large sections of our audience as well who won't feel comfortable coming back into the building yet and being with large crowds of people. And we want to make sure that we've got an offer for both both audiences those that want to join us and those that don't feel able yet so um a blended approach going forward of of live um in the in the building hopefully we can start doing that in early 2021 and bring audiences back in but for the rest of this year um we're really going to be trialing this online and, and starting to um move some things uh, online and get and get things get things moving that way and, and that work has already started which is really great yeah, I mean, that's good news. I mean, behind a, a paywall as well, you'll still be able to fall within the number of tickets you would normally sell to a show. Uh, you can then make sure that you're also protecting the artist's work because although we've loved having lots of free stuff online, free stuff doesn't pay bills and you need to make sure you're not giving away somebody's hard-crafted particular piece of theatre show. But uh, equally, I mean, when you're doing a get-in and you're bringing it to Wolverhampton, uh, normally you do one or maybe two nights of a show and it could well be you might see slightly longer runs for the real life patrons uh, but then equally an opportunity to see it online maybe one or more nights within that run of shows yeah we hope so uh, and especially with with things that we make in-house um, we haven't quite got all the details together just yet but we're we're getting very close to being able to announce something for Christmas um, and and if, if we manage to make that happen um, it's uh, it won't be live at all that will be a pre-record um, so that we can really test the new equipment out but it will be available for two three maybe even four weeks um, online so that people can watch it at their at their leisure and, and when it suits them rather than having to be available at 7:30 on a Friday night when it goes out um, so you know there will be a live premiere but then beyond that it will it will be available and and hopefully we can make more of our work available that way like you say it's really important for particularly at our scale, um, you know, the, the theatre that comes to the arena is is often made on a very tight budget, um, and and so the audience is really important that we we get that money um, back in for the for the theatre companies that are bringing the work. 
Um, and so being able to offer it online, yes, it, it, it will almost certainly sit behind paywalls, um, but it will be, you know, we price point will be the, the same or, or, you know, within uh, a couple of pounds of coming to the venue and and hopefully people will be able to enjoy it for a little bit longer. And, and like I say, the one of the advantages I've found with the with the online uh, model is is that flexibility and that, you know, ability to, um, you know, if the show starts at half past seven, well, actually, that's when we're putting the little one to bed. If I can start it at eight o'clock, that's perfect for me. In fact, it might be ten past eight. It might be twenty past eight. And starting it when you want is really, really useful, I think. And um, hopefully we'll be able to offer some of that flexibility as well. Um, and particularly with things going out around Christmas time, we know what Christmas is like. And we'd really like to have some project product out there so that at three o'clock in the afternoon on the 28th, when you've you know, eaten your 400th minutes <laughs> Fine, you don't know what you're going to do, and and the television's running repeats of Dad's Army from 1600 Christmases ago. And um, you can maybe come and and watch a show from the arena that's that's new and fresh and and something you haven't seen before. Yeah, and it is that creativity. It is about bringing something fresh to the stage, and this is what the arena lives for. And we've got great venues across our city who bring some fantastic new material to audiences. And I think, as you say, this is it's nothing to worry about having this as an available extra stream. Uh, cinema didn't kill theatre. Television didn't kill theatre. People want to see stuff happening live. The internet is, you know, not going to stop things happening, uh, but it just uh, makes available in a new way something which, I mean, previously you, you probably had audience members who would be feel daunted about coming in and, and, and coming into a, a theatre venue anyway, so this is actually going to widen an appeal which was probably already there prior to COVID. Yeah, we hope so. We hope that we'll, we'll do that and as I say, you know, we know our audience demographic tends to skew towards um, parts of the, the population who are more at risk and, and so we, we don't know, you know, when they're going to going to feel comfortable coming back in and we're going to do everything we can to make the venue you know as safe as possible um, but that won't be enough for, for some people to feel confident to come back in and we, we don't want them to miss out um, so this is a this is a, a way that hopefully we can bring it um, bring work home to home to people um, but you're right as well the creativity is really exciting the idea about what our theatre makers are going to do with that equipment um, you know myself as a director I'm really excited um, you know the, the Christmas show will be will be a show that I'll, I will be directing um, and already we're, we're talking about possibilities and what we might be able to do with the equipment that we wouldn't be able to do um, in 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 the theatre you know with, with a live audience um, and absolutely we're going to try and keep you know things as live as possible where we can um but there's a real excitement in that and also you know as you as you well know with the arena accessibility is always at the heart of what we do and the system is no different in that we're we're already exploring how we can use it to make work more accessible be it with captioning bsl picture in picture audio description all the things that our audience are used to seeing from the arena will still be able to deliver and we'll be able to deliver at high quality so um we're really really excited about it and we we had a well i had a, a really strong uh, red line on it when talking to the technical crew and i said if this isn't up to standard with the broadcasts that are coming out of the national theater and the royal opera house in, in london then we won't do it so this isn't going to be um you know gopro stuck on the back row of the auditorium you know grainy with terrible sound this is going to be really high quality broadcast um and we're, we're really excited to maintain those standards well i think i i think you can do one better than the national theater because i tend to find all their stuff 
all their plays are too shouty because they're trying to perform to an audience who can't hear them in the sort of size venue they've got. You have got the best intimate little theatre space you could possibly hope for. You can get a great number of people in under normal circumstances, but you're going to be able to pick the sound up and make it such that you're not got someone bellowing into a microphone and, uh, and, and taking away from the play. So I, I think you, you're going to actually rock this. Yeah, we're really excited about it. You're absolutely right. We hope that we can we can kind of preserve preserve the intimacy of the arena online as well. You know, make people feel like they are, you know, sitting in the middle of row D, um, even if they happen to be sitting on their sofa at home. And and that's uh, you know that's that's the aim. Uh, and as I say, we're, we're, we've already started on the project and, and we're, we're waiting for um, equipment to start rolling into the building in the next couple of weeks. And, and hopefully, um, you know, we've got a programme of activity between now and, and Christmas, most of which is, is already recorded and is, is, uh, is either archive um, footage or is, is things that we'll be making um, specifically for, for broadcast. But um, as we get very, very close to Christmas, we've got a couple of things in the diary which, which we're hoping will be live. Um, from the arena as our first test events and it's it's going to be really really exciting we think and we we're really hopeful that the audiences will come along with us uh, as we work out um, how this all works and test things and try things out and um, and I suppose that's the other message kind of uh, in the run to Christmas and certainly through January um, we'll be doing some stuff where we'll really need audiences to come along and um, you know sit in their living rooms and try things out with us and let us know what doesn't work and let us know what they like and what they don't like and what works and what doesn't work um, because it's a new world for us as well and we're, we're trialing things and testing things and working out where it's going to how it's going to work and, and what's going to going to work for audiences as well as ourselves well it sounds like something absolutely fantastic where do we go to for more information uh, as always arena.wlv.ac.uk um, but probably at the moment also our facebook page um, and our twitter feed those are those are, uh, are the most up to date because uh, we can update those on the on the fly and everything happens on the fly at the moment so um, <laughs> The website is where you'll find shows that are, that are for sale. Um, but for the, the really up-to-date information, our, our Twitter feed and our, and our Facebook page are where you'll find um, the, the, the cutting edge of what's going on. So search in all the usual places for the Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton. Get the details. I'm looking forward to ringing the box office again because we haven't had to say 321321 for ages, have we? Which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, no, we've, we've, we've not had anyone in the box office for a while. <laughs> We're, we're all sitting at home waiting to get back in, but we're, hopefully we can open those phone lines again in the not-too-distant future. Port East, waiting for it all to happen. Neil Redding of the Arena, thank you for joining us. Pleasure, Jason. Take care. Somebody who's helping many people in their work as a cognitive hypnotherapist is Marguerite Elcock, who joins me now for a chat. Hello. Hello, Jason. Thank you so much for talking to me. Well, good to catch up with you. And uh, the plan is uh, we're going to have a few little chats with you and uh, some five-minute updates and, and well-being thoughts uh, to go out on WCRFM on Wolverhampton today. Uh, but let's first of all have a bit of an introductory chat and you can tell us a bit more about your work. So how did you first come to this, this line of care? Um, well, for about 25 years, Jason, I was a lawyer. Um, but my original degree was law and criminal psychology. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I had taken the, uh, the psychology route. I didn't. I, I became a very miserable lawyer, it has to be said, for <laughs> nearly a quarter of a century. Um, but I took a career break um, a few years ago and I decided to go a different route. Um, kind of, I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis, I'd call it a midlife discovery. Mm -hmm. And so I qualified as a clinical cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist, which is a form of psychotherapy. I did an advanced diploma in psychology, diploma in anxiety and stress management. 
um, a life coaching course and now I blend all those together in my practice um, when it's absolutely amazing and I wish I had done it many many years ago. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously uh, a difficult time for somebody who's come to see you. There'll be something negative that is going on in their world. And uh, that could be physical, it could be mental, it could be environmental. And you need to take your skills and the training that you've been given and turn that around for them and give them something to either switch off anxiety or turn away from a, a situation uh, which is harmful to them. And it's taking away the toxicity. Stop. I was going, I was going so well. So three, two, one, and it's taken away the toxicity in their environment that can really make a massive difference. Absolutely. Um, now more than ever, I think people are really conscious of the importance of focusing on their mental health and their well-being. Um, we're living in probably the strangest times for at least a hundred years, um, and so clinical cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy is about looking at your feelings, behaviours, and thoughts, how they work together. Um, working with the, the thinking and planning part of your brain and strategies to help you to work through anxiety. Um, we work collaboratively, I work collaboratively with my uh, clients um, and I, because of the number of skills that I have, sometimes it's just CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, and sometimes I introduce an element of hypnotherapy into that. Um, and I think it's important just to perhaps demystify hypnosis and hypnotherapy for mm -hmm. people. Um, nobody who comes to see me is going to discover that they've been running around like a chicken or anything like that. Um, I practice at the clinical end of the spectrum. So if anybody out there is thinking, oh, I'm quite interested in maybe exploring how I can work through my anxiety with uh, a hypnotherapist, what I would say is please, if it's not me that you come to, go to see someone who's registered with the General Hypnotherapy Register I'm also registered with the Complementary and Natural Healthcare Council, and I'm fully insured. So please go to someone who has those sort of credible things on their website. They're registered, they're insured. Um, they're not coming from the kind of crystals and, oh, yes, I just fancied trying this because I read it in a book two weeks ago kind of area mm -hmm. because it's, it's a proper clinical practice. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is about helping people to find strategies to cope. Um, and everything that I do is bespoke to each individual client because no two people are the same mm -hmm. and no two people react to stress and anxiety in the same way. And, and the hypnotherapy itself, it's a route into somebody's mind. You're basically trying to go past that front curtain that they may well be putting up, which is maybe today's coping mechanism, to give them a, a new way to see what's going on and to, uh, to, to allow them to have a, a channel through to their, their, their inner self, which they're currently blocking out. Absolutely. It's a very powerful tool to get a client to use effectively, Jason, believed in imaginings. So you can talk to the part of the brain that's really receptive to therapeutic input. Um, and that way you can then equip them with skills that they can take forward. And one of the things that I'm a great believer in is self-efficacy. So I teach my clients how then to use these skills themselves so they won't need me. They can put themselves into a state where they can utilize self-hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And so they go away with that skill and that ability. And the best thing for me is when somebody turns around and says, I can do this. I don't actually need you to help me through the process anymore. Yeah. We've worked through it together and I can take it forward. Yeah, it is a case of repairing and not go offering ongoing maintenance. Yes, yeah, absolutely, very much so. I mean, you know, I never, and you shouldn't offer a cure for things. We're not in that business. 
but the dramatic improvement that you can see in people when they get in touch with how to manage their anxiety and how to understand what causes their anxiety. Psychoeducation of clients is so important. Mm -hmm. There's no mystery to this. It's about helping someone to come on board with you and as a team we work through their problems and their anxieties. And through that, uh, that working, that building, uh, they can have a, a much more fulfilled existence, take away some of the problems. It's not going to cure everything or take everything away because there are, there's always something real behind an anxiety but it's a way of, of, of managing that. Absolutely. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. Absolutely there, Jason. It's about management and it's about having a toolbox of skills that you can then use in difficult or challenging situations or when you're feeling overwhelmed or when a, a new something comes into your world that makes you feel anxious that you can then call upon and use to help manage that situation. So what would be the first step for someone coming to you? I mean, are they referred by a doctor or do they see an advert or how does it work? Right. Um, the NHS recognises that hypnotherapy and clinical cognitive behavioural therapy has a really important part to play now in wellness. Um, and NHS will make referrals for things like um, irritable bowel syndrome and pain management. Um, hypnotherapy is very useful for pain, like chronic pain management. The way that I work generally, though, is um, I have a website. So I am in sync hypnotherapy, I-N-S-Y-N-C, and you can find me at www insyncthypnotherapy.co.uk. Um, I practice from Bridge North. I have a, a really lovely therapy room at home, which is really nice for clients to come to. Um, I also get a lot of referrals by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. But the best way to find out about me and what I do is to go and have a look at my website, www.insyncthypnotherapy.co.uk. You can see what I do. So work with one-to-one -one clients. I work with businesses. I work with educators and learners. So if you're a college or a university, I do workshops around um, looking at uh, mental health for students. I work in the performing arts as well, mm -hmm. looking at stage fright. Um, and I also work with, well, when we haven't got COVID, with people who um, are looking to improve their sports performance. So if you want to improve your ability at the local golf course, I can't make you Tiger Woods, <laughs> but I can certainly make you the best golfer um, that you can be. So there's a really broad spectrum of things. It's not all about um, anxiety. Some of the work I do is around real positive things, making people better sports people, making people better performers. If you've got a wedding coming up, for example, and you want to make a speech, giving you the skills so that you're not nervous when you do that. Um, so it's a real blend, really, of looking at deep-seated anxiety issues. And gosh, have we got so many of those at the moment, haven't we, mm -hmm. in the world of COVID? And also looking at positive things, um, improving people's performance, work performance, things like that. So absolutely loads of positivity that can come out of this. Uh, details on how your uh, time is paid for all available through the website. You can see what's going on there. Give us that web address one more time. It's www.insyncthypnotherapy.co.uk. And I'm very much looking forward to the start of a series of uh, little talks uh, over the next few weeks from you. And uh, we'll uh, very much enjoy uh, your little five-minute updates as, as time goes on. So uh, for now, though, uh, Marguerite Alcock, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. <laughs>
years and years ago, 20 years ago, Lawrence and I were working together at the same company with you. And we wrote um, an album together, did it for charity, basically, and just sold a few albums um, in and around the company, friends and family, that sort of stuff. And then um, sort of lost touch. Lawrence was, was retired. I kept working, um, had some contact. But then more recently, during the start of lockdown, um, Loz got in touch with me. And to be fair, kept pushing me to start writing and recording again because mm -hmm. um, my job's been taking me everywhere over the last couple of years. So You think I yeah, don't know that feeling, having sorry. worked with you? Come on. <laughs> Between most so, of us, we have covered the entire globe. So Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I came into lockdown. Um, I had to work from home, which is the first, thing, first time I've done that in my entire career, 30 years. And my studio became my office. And it was a little bit frustrating and, uh, you know, because I was sat in somewhere where I, I tend to do a lot of creating stuff, but never really getting um, getting things finished. And Loz was the catalyst really to, to push me along and start talking about writing some more tunes, get a second album going. Um, and he just pushed me and we started collaborating and we've been doing that now since March, Loz, I suppose. Yeah, March, yeah. That's when we started it all. So basically, Lars, you're to blame for for this then. Uh, but I mean, how are you describing the sound? Because we, we're talking a bit prog rock. Certainly, talking prog rock based on the length of the track. Uh, and and uh, I, I know, I mean, Lars, you're you're an aficionado of garage band, have been for many years. Uh, so, so how did it all sort of come together, particularly doing it remotely? Seven minutes isn't long, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's getting there. I mean, we, okay, we're talking classic Beatles length song there before we yeah. then hit the rest of what could possibly have turned it into maybe, I don't know, a Led Zeppelin entire I mean, album it's side. It's seven minutes long and we, we quickly realised that, uh, certainly for the video edit, it needed to be a bit shorter because I think people were losing a little bit of interest. Because the, you know, Keith can only go, do so much with the video, with um, what's available as a free video file without mm. copyright, copyright problems and whatever. So um, we needed to shorten it to sort of get the lyrics up there on the on the video and get the interest straight away. So I mean, I mean, probably as as the the latest boy band. I mean, uh, how do you see this then sort of kind of progressing? Because uh, uh, we, we've got say the lyric video which is out there, which we'll be seeing. We'll be watching and listening to the five minute version very soon. But uh, I mean, Keith, I mean, what what happens next? I mean, are you actually going to create a band name for this? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I mean certainly Lawrence and I will get a band name, start. Um, putting our music out there more widely. I mean, it will just be the two of us because um, the format works well. I think, you know, the, the way that the songs are coming together at the moment, um, you know, we're, we're, we're collaborating a lot on the writing. I've got some ideas that I've brought with me, like this song, William Wallace. Um, you know, it's probably 10, 12 years ago I wrote that song in, in it. I think it's longer than that, Keith. <laughs> yeah, maybe 15 that, yeah. years ago. But in its roughest format, but I think the beauty of it is Lawrence pushed me and started, you know, organizing the arrangement and did a, a lot of the sort of production side of things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got, I don't know, we've probably got about eight, eight songs on the go at the moment, probably looking to get to 10 completely finished songs. 
which you know might take us the next 12 months two years it doesn't really matter because i think it's um, it's probably the most fun i've had <laughs> at <laughs> but, home in a long time but, but, but this might be a similar sort of time to actually listen to the whole track i mean we're talking an extended triple album just to be able to fit all these songs on <laughs> possibly yeah <laughs> that's due to the internet now you're not governed by 78 minutes anymore no it, it, it makes it easy doesn't it so that that improves things there and as you say this is about uh telling a story very much a song isn't it so uh, again keith i mean you you've admitted the fact that you came up with the, the, the concept behind this tell us about the song itself well i mean originally i suppose it was inspired by the film um you know i mean i I've traveled back and forth to Scotland for the best part of 30 years. So I have, a, I have an affinity with the Scots and the Scottish culture. But I think the original song idea came from the film. Um, and, you know, as we've sort of expanded it and, um, and written it and put it together over the last, you know, I suppose over the last three or four months, I think it's probably taken on as much of a meaning for, you know, what we see going on around us today in terms of sacrifice and, you know, just... Um, individuals that are standing out amongst others and I think you know if you look at the history of William Wallace he was certainly one of those individuals but if you compare that to modern day times there's a lot of people at the moment with what we're going through with it you know those sort of standout type individuals so I think it you know it's taken on new meaning to me I suppose in the last couple of months as we've started putting it together it's not just been a pure um, William Wallace Scottish thing I think it's been more of a you know um, a hero thing if you like. And, and Lars, yeah. when it comes to actually putting this together as a song, uh, and then obviously trying to find a way of making it work slightly cut down, I mean, musically, uh, was, was that more sort of a, yeah, where you were conducting things from? Well, Keith, Keith wrote the whole thing, words and the music. Um, I have very little input on the actual writing of the, uh, of the actual song. I did little bits here and there. I played bass guitar, I did some keyboards. Um, Keith does all the vocals. But uh, my input basically was uh, uh, helping with the arrangement and uh, getting the production done and the production right. It's something I've wanted to do ever since, well, when I left school, I wanted to be a sound engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, I ended up being an engineer, but not a sound engineer. <laughs> yeah, something of a different world. <laughs> yeah, so, so production is something I've always wanted to do. And... Uh, I've never done anything on vocals until William Wallace, and uh, I'm really, I can spend hours, I can spend four or five hours just listening and listening over and over again to the same piece and tweaking it here, tweaking it there, just so as it sounds right, sending it to Keith, getting his feedback, tweaking it again, and I think the end result, to me, to my ears, and, and Keith as well, is, is pretty good considering it's all done in a home studio. Well, I mean, home studios these days, and I certainly, I mean, does I know the equipment that you've worked with over the years, uh, in, in itself, just on the machines that you've you've actually uh, uh, used to record stuff on, you're actually getting top top notch stuff. Um, yeah, with a, with a decent sound card, a good audio interface, and uh, and a MacBook behind you, you're pretty much sorted these days. So, yeah. it, it's amazing what you can do. And uh, again, Keith, I mean, uh, what's going to happen next? I mean, is this going to be a changing career direction? Obviously, Loz has got plenty of time on his hands. Uh, you're a bit busier. I mean, can we expect to see you on whatever happens to be the, the equivalent of Top of the Pops these days? Um, yeah, that, I think again, like, like Lawrence, um, it won't, I wasn't so much dreaming of being a producer when I was younger, maybe a rock star, but <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think, um, you know, Lawrence is fortunate, he's retired and he's getting to sort of pursue a passion that, that he's had for years. I mean, 
it's great and it works well for us because you know I haven't got the same level of time at the moment um nor probably the commitment that Lawrence has shown in terms of the production side of it I like to sort of bang out the tunes and write the stuff and then Lawrence to be fair tends to you know work his magic on on what I've what I've created but yeah I think you know this this what we're doing now and what Lawrence has been helping me do is sort of will be leading me into retirement I suppose in the next couple of years when I retire this is definitely something that I want to pursue um a lot more because it is you know it's a passion and it stays with you forever it doesn't go just because you do a different job if you like music and you like creating music it'll stay with you forever yeah and that's one of those things i mean so many people have been able to find that edge and have needed that creativity because when you can't get out there and do what you normally do uh stuck in the same four walls at home can uh, really put the pressure on them and make you want to be uh, that little bit more creative i'm glad that uh Loz has sort of spurred you on here uh, we, we, we're grateful for the the sound the song and uh, the, the music so uh, we're going to take a look at the uh, this is the, the, the around five minute version uh, with the the lyric video and uh, where can we find this uh, online if people can then you know go along have you got Facebook pages or anything yet or has that not quite happened so far well at the moment it's on I think you can get it through Lawrence's Facebook it's on Vimeo at the moment yeah but I think the idea is that Keith's going to set up a YouTube channel and get it put onto YouTube and see if we can get it to a wider audience that way. Okay, well, we'll share it now to uh, an audience who are no doubt already eager to hear what you two have been up to. Uh, if, if only you, you, your families want to check out what you've actually been up to as well, which would probably be quite good. They're trying to work out what you've been doing in these locked cupboards all this time. Meanwhile, I, I will say thank you. Loz and Keith, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,
Somebody who's been turning their hand to some amazing pieces of art is Hannah from Morocco Crafts and joins me now for a chat. Hello. You are right? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So first of all, give us a bit of a background to the work that you're doing because you're producing all sorts of things and oh yeah, custom pieces and things along your usual themes. Yeah, so um, I graduated in 2019. I had a bit of a year off and then I decided, what the heck, let's get on with it. Um, and I really like recycled metals because of the rust and um, the kind of patina. Mm -hmm. So I started making um, roses out of corrugated sheets and it kind of left from there and then I started using uh, my forge from my degree and um, yeah so I've kind of forged them both together I make stuff for people out of my forge and that and then I make stuff that I sell at craft shows as well. And obviously you haven't had quite so many craft shows as usual which is the reason why your work has come to prominence online of late. Uh, there's still a yeah. few things going on but if somebody wants something different for Christmas or a piece for the garden that sort of thing I mean you are the go-to aren't you? Yeah. Um, I've got a, a website, Facebook page and an Instagram page, um, so I'm happy to chat with anyone. I have got a few craft shows coming up within the next few months in Litchfield if they stay um, going, because at the moment they haven't been cancelled, fingers crossed. So yeah, it's quite exciting at the moment. So hopefully that will all come together. But I mean, uh, what was what is your background? I mean, you were doing metalwork through school, or how did that come about? Because at my school, the the, the metalwork facilities were relatively uh, you know, quite t t tight on numbers, and uh, there the, the weren't really the opportunities to be able to do that sort of stuff then going on to university either. Um, I actually did ceramics at school. Mm -hmm. um, at A level, and I quite liked it. And then I found a course down in Surrey, which is a uh, which was ceramics, glass, jewellery, and metalwork. And then um, my dad and my partner are mechanics, so they're all metalwork crazy. And then I kind of started doing the metal forging. I thought, well, this is for me, kind of thing. <laughs> and I just uh, specialised in that, and that was it, really. Okay, so when it comes to forging, then what does this mean? What 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 is the process behind it? So it's basically a bit like blacksmithing. You've got your hot coals that you heat up, you heat the metal up, and then you just manipulate it how you want. But um, I'd, I won't class myself as a blacksmith because I don't do the traditional things. I'm more art crafty. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's a bit about it, really. Then is this border, border with wrought iron work as well? Am I getting the right sort of ideas here? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So this is the sort of thing people can expect. I mean, and, and you are happy to take on commissions too. If somebody's got an idea, you can then turn that into a reality for them. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. So what's the, what's the most exciting thing you've worked on so far? I got the opportunity to do my first stair rail, which was probably quite exciting because I've never done anything on that scale. Um, and yeah, it, it was quite fun actually. Um, I still have, at the moment haven't got a proper forge, so it was kind of like a barbecue that I vamped up uh -huh. into a forge to, to work to, to work from. I've got one on order that's meant to come this week, which I'm really excited about. Fingers again, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but no, so it was quite, it was quite good, yeah. And, and and sort of creating your own industry here and the chance to produce art in what have been very difficult times for for everybody. I mean, this is again, it's creativity, but it's something that's putting a bit of positivity into people's lives and enjoying having something different around them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of started at the wrong time. I only started, well, I say wrong time. There's never a good time. I um. I started in November last year, so I just started getting quite like good sales and knowledge. And then obviously all this happened and all the craft shows got cancelled. 
And then I saw people was doing like Facebook live events and everything. And I thought, well, why can't I give it a go? And I did. And it's actually probably took off a bit more on the media as nowadays it's the most popular thing um, than it did on the craft shows. It's quite exciting. So a chance to um, actually show people what you're doing and they can see how these things are made. Obviously, though, it takes quite a skill to produce this sort of stuff. So it's one of those don't try this at home, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's a bit dangerous if you not know what you're doing with the metal, the hot metal. Yep, so... But a few near experiences. <laughs> yeah, but let's hope that nothing untoward happens. But I say it is about producing art. And so you've got a range at the moment to say, all oh, this is uh, some fantastic metal work that's coming together. Uh, what, uh, what sort of price range and what have you got on offer? If someone's going to come to your website, what are we looking at as yeah, a fantastic Christmas gift? Something unique, different, and of course locally made, as you're in, 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 you know, not far from the heart of Wolverhampton. Yeah, so um, I think the most reason is the listing at the moment on my website is probably £4.50 mm-hmm. and then it goes up to £15 on my website. I do also do some bespoke little creatures but I do sell them on my Facebook site and not on my website because it's a bit harder because they're a one-off piece and I can't remake them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it, it, the most expensive thing I probably sell is probably about £30 all in all. So it's a great range of affordable gifts, uh, something special for Christmas and me out. Yeah a piece of art you can afford to pop in your own home which is uh, a great way of doing it supporting uh, local crafts people as well is a is a fantastic way of, uh, of keeping cash in our community as well yeah so, so check it all out so give us all the web details both for facebook and for your website please yeah so my web- website is www.hmoroccocrafts.com uh, my facebook is morocco crafts and my instagram is hmoroccocrafts so check out all of those, and H Morocco is the, is the important bit here. And spell Morocco for us. Yeah, so Morocco is spelled M-A-R-R-O-C-O. So Hannah Morocco is a name to look out for in the future, and uh, yeah, an increasing amount of work coming out of your, uh, your forge. And we look forward to seeing what you can do over the, uh, the coming years. And uh, do keep in touch, and we look forward to uh, maybe seeing you at a craft show. Which ones in Litchfield are you on in the next few weeks? Um, I'm on at Litchford Guide Hall. So there's uh, um, various events there. Check out their website. You'll be able to see what's going on and you're at each of those events. Yeah, I'm at most of the Christmas ones. So check it all out. And you'll be posting on your Facebook page when you're going to be there if yeah, people want yeah. to see the work in real life before they buy as well. Well, Hannah Morocco, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Ewan Kulfer has a brand new book available for the younger people in your life, but also the oldest too. He's joining me now to tell me more about it. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. I trust we find you well. Good. It's very good. I'm like all the rest of the world, uh, locked down in, in the in my house, but uh, it's, a, it's a it's a universal problem at the moment, so we're just getting through it. It's also a trait for an author anyway when there's a deadline approaching, so it, it's not hopefully too strange a world for you. No, but I am trying to pretend that I'm very stressed, you okay. know, just to keep, so my family will have some sympathy for me yeah, for you, once. Joining with but the spirit of the really, nation. It's not working. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really working. Artemis Fell, sci-fi fantasy, an absolutely amazing film earlier this year, and uh, your work entertaining millions. So, I mean, as an internationally renowned best-selling author, uh, you, I mean, you've got nothing to prove, but you still go on doing it. 
Uh, yes, I think it's kind of a compulsion at this point. And also, I'm, it, it's very much ingrained on me to do a working day. And I have actually thought about uh, giving it a break for a few years. I've asked myself, does the world need another <laughs> leprechaun book? Uh, and <laughs> then you, you can never have enough. Well, that's that. Yeah, that's the answer I usually come up with. But just I just can't think what I would do. I mean, I, I wouldn't I don't have any other talents, really. So I just try and stick with the writing and, and every time I try and stop, I get an idea and it seems, just seems too uh, juicy not to write down. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll just keep coming for a few more years. Well, well, so those who already know Artemis Fowl will be aware there are little brothers in the mix as well. This is Miles yes. and Beckett and uh, they're basically getting in on his act a little, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they're taking on. They're like the next generation of troublemakers. So when <laughs> Artemis decides he's going to go off to do some space exploration for five years, uh, they step into the breach and uh, immediately start causing trouble. So uh, in this book, which is the second in the series, they are after a horde of gold that has been stolen by a, an intergovernmental agency. And, and they team up with a group of dwarves uh, to get this gold uh, out of a very secure building in Dublin's Docklands. So it's kind of a heist, heist comedy fantasy book so it's a bit of a hybrid beast but it's 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 great fun i hope yeah you you've never really been one to stick to to one genre even in anything that I, i've seen you do and uh, uh, for me you are the person who took on the mantle of hitchhikers on behalf of uh, the Douglas adams estate with uh, and, uh, another thing so you know you, you're quite happy to jump about in what you're writing aren't you well, yes. I, I mean, if it, I'm not a great career builder because I never <laughs> do two of the same books in a row. Uh, I, I try and jump around. And even though I did eight books in the Artemis series, I actually did 20 books in that time. So uh, I try and mix it up. I mean, the Douglas Adams one, that was the, the only book I ever felt stressed and pressure about was that because he's such a huge hero of mine and of anyone uh, who reads sci-fi or indeed comedy. Um, so to step in to try, I wouldn't say I was stepping into those shoes. It was more like authorized fan, fan fiction in my in my mind. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of people waiting with folded arms and uh, <laughs> frowns on their brows when that came out. But so luckily, you, you pulled um, that one off beautifully, and uh, I, I, you're very kind. I enjoyed Simon Jones reading the audio book, and uh, when when they bought the radio oh, series yeah. for the fortieth, that was uh, a, a, another treat. And I mean, your work is often picked up and turned into these big productions. Uh, it was a given with the Hitchhiker stuff, but with with Artemis, uh, you know, it, you, it is. Uh, a, a massively expanded world that you write in and it, it deserves the sort of mind's eye that you, you bring to your readers but equally it sits so well on the screen well I was very lucky that Kenneth Branagh had an interest in it and, and that happened very organically in that his nephew I believe uh, was on holidays with him and said you know Uncle Ken you should you should read this book so he did because they were you know on holidays uh, and then I think three three weeks later, Disney called him and said, we have this book you might be interested in. And he already had read three of the books at that point. So he was he was hooked. And uh, he's he's such a great director and he's such a talent and he's such a genuine, nice guy that the whole experience for me was was really nice and friendly. And uh, I definitely came away with more memories um, than I thought I would. So, yeah, it was a great period for me and my family and uh, the friends I made. So, yeah, it was all good. And, and getting to put words in the mouth of Dame Judi Dench is obviously also a treat too. 
It is. I mean, uh, that was my big regret from that experience that I, I didn't meet Judy Dench and that oh. was all lined up because I met everybody else, <laughs> but she was only there on very occasional days. And, uh, I was on the set three or four times, but it was all set up for the premiere. But of course, then Mr. COVID arrived and that was, uh, that, that, that those plans were, were stricken. So, uh, no, I still haven't met her. I'm hoping that I will, um, I'll bump into her at some point in London. I can say thanks and uh, and well done because I thought she was fabulous in the role. Yeah, and uh, when when you're creating something like this world of the Fowl family, obviously it it is something which you feel very personal about. And then yeah, bringing the twins on board with the antics. I mean, it 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 must be good fun. And it never feels like you're writing for the sake of writing. As we said, you jump around all over the place. So you know this is this is all you know, born out of fantastic creativity and just engaging young minds and, and you know you're responsible for a load of people who are going to grow up to do such great creative things or just have a, a fantastically creative outlook in their life so so well done to you for that well thank you i mean my main goal as a, an ex-teacher was to try and get uh young people reading now i'm not saying that there was just me on that crusade a lot of teachers turn writers are all trying to do the same thing and uh, very successfully but that is kind of my was always my motivation that i would get kids reading and one of the my strategies was if i can keep the mums and dads interested they will be more inclined to read the books to their kids at bedtime so there's a lot of crossover jokes in there um that the dads and the mums who were reading at night will get so hopefully um there it's a book for the whole family yeah and it again with the the audiobooks are available on a number of the titles as well it it, it makes a, a car journey more fun as well and whether you're reading on the page or just jumping into the the, the world that's created in audio form for us or on screen the, the, these stories stand up and are enjoyed in each medium and again this is, is this something that you, you you think about when you when you're coming to write a book do you take into account the fact that you are a, a multimedia platform I don't. I'm I'm actually very uh, petty when I'm in my office. I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking Nathaniel Parker, who does all the audiobooks, and is a good mate. I think oh, I think I'll put in a Ukrainian accent just to annoy him. <laughs> just why? <laughs> and I get yeah. an email. I get an email from Nathaniel. Thanks very much, Ukrainian. Uh, but he's so good at accents that he does enjoy the challenge. So, but that's. I think when you're in an office on your own, you're not thinking about the grand scheme. You're just thinking about. Well, well, I'm gonna have a coffee in an hour, so uh, <laughs> let's let's try and get five jokes done by then. Or uh, it's all very minor stuff and small world, but that I suppose in the end adds up to uh, big world stuff. And uh, for me, it's all at my age now. I'm 55. I like to have all the experiences be positive. So I like to work with people like Nat. I like to work with people uh, like. Uh, Giovanni, the artist, and uh, Andrew Regano, my collaborator on the graphic novels. And it's all about uh, positive experiences. And that always comes through, I think, in the work. And when I was younger, I thought, oh, we have to suffer. Everyone has to suffer. <laughs> but now I've, I've finished with that, and I'm more into trying to less stress uh, leads to a better book. Well, I mean, obviously, a, a fantastic work. So you've written so many books. And so am I right? I think this is number 10 in the Fell universe. That's correct, yeah, yep. number 10. Uh, um, so I never thought it would get past number one, so I'm very happy about that. Well, you keep up the good work. Uh, the, the book itself, The Fell Twins, uh, Deny All Charges, uh, is published by HarperCollins Children's Books, available now, fourteen ninety nine in hardback, eight ninety nine on ebook. And I think with half-term on the way, this is going to be an absolutely excellent buy uh, to keep the kids quiet. What do you reckon? 
Excellent. That's ex that I couldn't have said it better myself. I appreciate that. There we go. That's, that, that's my sales pitch for the day. I think it will work. You and Kofa, thank You're you hard. for joining us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Back with episode 593 next week and a bit of a treat for Doctor Who fans. That's all coming up on The Milk Bar. Goodbye from 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 the milk bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.